Hello and welcome to the match preview on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as usual joined by John Gibson. Newcastle United travelled down to Merseyside this week. A Thursday night game at Goodison Park against Everton. It's going to be a very interesting one given that one side are rubbish at home and the other side are rubbish on the road. And we'll talk about those records in a moment but we can't start the podcast without just quickly reflecting on what happened at the weekend, John, as Newcastle United beat Manchester United 1-0 and weren't the Red Devils a wee bit lucky that it wasn't by a scoreline? Something reflecting a cricket score. Well, I mean, they, they got humiliated 1-0. It was a 1-0 avalanche. Um, you know, it was a, a typical example of a team that cares against a team that doesn't <clears throat> because everything Newcastle have got apart from natural ability uh, and sound coaching, um, I'm talking about the the will, the desire, the camaraderie, the team spirit. Manchester United don't, in, and in spades. I mean, you've got to, if you just look at the way the two guys on each tram line, uh, on one side you've got uh, Trippier and Almir, and on the other side, Livermenko and Gordon. If you look at those guys and then compare them to people like Rashford and people like Martial, huge, huge names, but just don't give a damn. They, they didn't track back. They didn't do any of the dirty work. It's as though it's beneath them. And you've got to think that this is a reflection of what's going on in the dressing room of players v manager. Because um, all of a sudden, if you get a change of manager, you suddenly see Rashford running up and down like a lindy. Uh, it, it changes the situation. It, it's wrong. But, I mean, I, I look at Den Hogg and uh, he looks out his depth. He literally looks like a rabbit in the headlights. What do I do next? Um, obviously, they're not listening to him. He, he, he's part of the problem himself because he's created... Uh, divisions in the dressing room whereas Eddie Howe's created a wonderful togetherness I mean he falls out with top names he splits the dressing room in that respect he reminds me very much of Gordon Lee way before your time Andrew but was Newcastle manager when um, when Supermark and Terry Hibbert and people like this were playing I mean he got results to a certain extent Ten Hag did last season but he split the dressing room. In long term, that is a recipe for uh, disaster. And the reason Newcastle are defying all the logic that's going with a, an injury and a missing list of up to 14 and another now with Nick Pope is because of this togetherness that overcomes all adversary. It's quite amazing to, to see and to watch because in Manchester United beat everybody at the bottom but lose to everybody at the top and that's continued and well done Newcastle. I thought they were magnificent. They were absolutely brilliant. The most dominating 1-0 victory I've ever seen especially at St James's Park and just to, to finish off reflecting on that result, uh, Ten Hag has banned a few newspapers from his uh, press conference day, or whether Manchester United have. I don't know if Ten Hag has personally done it, but I have a feeling he may have said a, a word or two to the yeah. person uh, handing down the bans, and that includes our sister paper down in Manchester, the Manchester Evening News. And what I've taken away from that, John, isn't it just nice to not have Newcastle United being the circus? You know, Absolutely. we used to do it under Mike Ashley. It was always one drama after another. And here we are, Newcastle United, with a, with a quality manager 
a team fighting for each other. Owners who don't really get too much involved, they let the leave the running to the football club to, to more experienced people. We know, ladies and gents, the survey has come out and that has angered a few people and we'll talk separately about that later on. But as a whole, Newcastle United aren't the circus anymore and it's, and it's a great feeling. It's a wonderful feeling because we had that for so long. I mean, you talk about people getting banned. Uh, it's almost a badge of honour to get banned in, in bad times because it means you're telling it the way it is. And, I mean, I suffered from that for over a year at Newcastle at one stage under Mike Ashley. Um, and, OK, so be it. it, it you know, you, you can't just... Uh, go along with it because you might ruffle a few feathers. Um, but Manchester United, both at, at owner level and in the uh, in the manager's office, are so far behind. I mean, they're only a big club because their history is a big club. They're acting very small and very timid and things will have to change before the change, if you know what I mean. Um, but that's their problem. You know, that's they're the disunited and we are literally united. And that is wonderful because it's so unusual at Newcastle over modern times and all for one and one for all. And that is one of the main reasons why we're defying everything we're defying at the moment and producing results. The, I mean, the, the, the camaraderie is absolutely massive and is driving us on, you know, to beat Chelsea, to... to beat Manchester United to effectively beat Paris Saint-Germain until last-minute intervention. Um, it's wonderful. You keep pinching yourself and saying, how long can it go on? Because you get 14 out or something, and then Nick Pope goes, the flipping goalkeeper, making an innocuous stop, does his shoulder and could be out for four to five months. I mean, what's going on? I appealed on our last podcast to say, if anybody knows where Lady Luck's hiding... Can they drag her out so we can have a look at her and she can smile on us again? Far from smiling on us, she produced another vami, which was was Nick Pope. It's quite, quite incredible, yet the odds are defied. And yet we stand and we're so amazed that we keep saying, as we did against Manchester United, oh, we'll beat Manchester United, despite it. And no doubt we feel the same still now with yet another one added with uh, Nick Pope. It, it's quite, quite incredible. But it speaks volumes for what has been manufactured in-house at St James's Pub. It certainly does. Let's talk about that injury to Nick Pope then. Horrendous look, you know, um, just dives. And as I said on, on yesterday's uh, podcast with Aaron, he probably made that dive a hundred times and never get the same result and it has damaged his shoulder which kept them out for quite a while back in 2018-19 so that in itself is a massive worry Eddie Howe is going to you know get the report see a specialist about it etc etc but the bottom line is he's going to be out uh, for for quite a while talk yesterday John about David De Gea coming in yeah. but yeah uh, I, look, I'm not a big fan of that idea I would give Martin Dubravka um, the opportunity he's going to get the opportunity you would think anyway because it's what five six games until the January window opens. I know De Gea's on a on a on a free transfer anyway, but I still think he'll get given enough time to to make that number one shirt, which he actually wears anyway, his own. Yes, uh, oh, absolutely, he'll get the time because. I mean, if De Gea is brought in by anybody, yes, he can be brought in tomorrow because he's a he's a free agent. 
but he's not going to be up to, to par, is he? He hasn't played for six months or something like that. You can't just throw him straight in any club, taking him straight in the side and expect miracles. And Dubrovka has earned the right to, to go in, and he'll get it. For goodness sake, we've got a game Thursday, we've got a game Sunday, we've got a game next Wednesday, and then the following weekend. We're not going to have anybody new in for then, even if we wanted to, and even if it was the gear signing tomorrow, you wouldn't be ready to play. Dubrovka is. And Dubrovka, in the old days, in the dark old days, did us proud for an awful long time and kept us afloat from relegations. And we've got to remember, not so long ago, was voted the Northeast Player of the Year. Um, when he was keeping goal for Newcastle. So he's earned the right to, to have that step up. Yes, goalkeepers can make mistakes. You can point to things that he didn't do well just before he went out the side. You can point to the fact he looked a bit iffy very early on at Manchester United in the League Cup tie. But there, there again, you can pick matches out where Nick Pope hasn't done well. In fact, until he was superb in the last uh, match, he, he'd had a little bit of a dip. Goalkeepers do that because a mistake is highlighted because it normally ends up with a ball in the net, whereas a centre-half can make a mistake and a goalkeeper can pull him out. Um, but Dubovka's earned that right. There's absolutely no question. And he will get that uh, opportunity. And I'm pleased for him. Hmm. I mean, look, there's, there's no getting away from the fact Nick Pope is a better goalkeeper than Martin Dubravka. He's proved that, for me, he's the best shot stopper in the Premier League. But what gives me a little bit of confidence, you know, Martin Dubravka's ability aside, is the fact that Eddie Howe doesn't allow any passengers at Newcastle United. So we know, all being well, Martin Dubravka would probably appear in, in the Cup and that would probably be it. That is probably at the most. If Nick Pope was fit throughout, it would be the Cups at best for Martin Dubrovka. But he has to train every single day and Eddie Howe sets the standards. The same with Lloris Karius uh, and the same with Mark Gillespie. You know, the standards are set so high that when they are called in for an injury, you expect them to reach the standards Eddie Howe has set and I fully expect Martin Dubrovka to be able to do that. Yeah, so do I. I'm not certain minded I would want to go down to Carriers and beyond that to Gillespie because I think the standard would be dropping yeah. considerably from Pope to Gillespie. Uh, but we're not doing that. We're talking about a guy who's still a current international, Dubrovka, for his country, and has played an awful lot of games for Newcastle United. And therefore, no. Yes, you can say the Pope was an upgrade, um, but there again, Botman was an upgrade on Lascelles, but Lascelles hasn't let Newcastle down when he's come back into the side. And I just hope that Dubrovka looks at Lascelles, who played in front of him for all those times in the dark days um, under Ashley, and just looks at, at, at Jamal and says, look at what he's done in coming back into the side. I can do that as well, and, and reaches the consistency that Lascelles has played. I mean, I'm not uh, blinded. I still think Botman's is better centre-half than Lascelles, but Lascelles has done brilliantly when he when he's come in recently. And, uh, you know, it's up to Dubrovka to look at him and say, yeah, I can do what he's done. Yeah, 100%. And that, that's the point I'm making. You look at Jacob Murphy turning his Newcastle United career around, Jamal Lascelles, as you mentioned, I think they're the standards you hope Martin Dubrovka will have to hit. And Newcastle have proven in recent weeks, in recent months, with the injuries they've suffered, that the players who come in, they fill in. 
and they perform really well. And it is something of a of a scratch your head scenario when you we're talking about Jamal LaSalle's you know, playing the best football of his career when he looked like he would never get another game for Newcastle United last summer. It's tremendous to see, to see. And, and just the fact, as you say, he stepped up. Jacob Murphy stepped up. There's other players who have stepped up and, and performed out of their skin when called upon. Martin Dubrovka is going to do that. But I just want to ask you, John, whether losing Nick Pope, how do you, do you think it will impact the dressing room because you're losing such a big character who's been such a constant fixture in the team? It's very tempting to say it will, but I mean, we have lost so many senior players out of the dressing room for a long period of time recently that you think another one, he's still going to be there putting his input Monday to Friday, talking to players, doing etc, etc. But you've got to think that why would yet another one make any difference when it hasn't so far? Um, so, no, I don't think it will. It's a specialist position. He's out for four or five months, possibly. That is an awful long time. Can we go that long without bringing another season pro? Because I think beneath Dubrovka now, there is a class gap. You know, Carriers was only brought in at the last minute last season for the League Cup final. Did nothing wrong in that game. Wasn't a world beater, but did nothing wrong. Gillespie's just got a contract to be the fourth keeper. He's not looked upon to be anything other than that. So, you know, I would hate to be looking at those two. Will they bring in experience to go with Dubravka if it's confirmed that it's four or five months for Pope, I think they possibly will, you know, because um, I think that could be necessary. But in the meantime, fine. And even if I brought somebody in tomorrow, I'd still want Dubravka to play. Mm. Would it be a short-term deal, do you think, John? Would it be a David Ikea type, someone who's a free agent? Would it be looking to get a cheeky little loan somewhere until the summer? Or do you think Newcastle potentially might move their transfer plans ahead a summer or two and go, OK, look, if Nick Pope's picked up this injury, maybe we now go out and sign, you know, £30 million Aaron Ramsdale, for instance. I've just thrown that number out there. I don't actually yeah, think yeah, that's, that's yeah. an upgrade um, on, on Nick Pope, but we know he's been linked. We know, we've got to be honest, two uh, summer transfer windows down the line, you would think that'll be about the time, if Nick Pope remains fit, that Newcastle might look to bring someone in and improve the goalkeeping department, someone who's I mean, going to be better with their feet. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I, I mean, there's an upgrade for everybody. Uh, you know, Manchester United, Manchester City upgrade, and, and they've won five out of six league titles. Uh, but they, they upgrade regularly. And they've got Doka, the, you know, the, the winger, who's an upgrade on Grealish. And you think that you've got the number one guy, but there's always somebody that much better. I mean, you, you would probably get an upgrade on Nick Pope, where you would get somebody who's as good with his feet as as Alisson is or Edison, or, which Nick isn't. Um, so there's always an upgrade, and Newcastle could take this opportunity to say, well, we'll get an upgrade on Pope and, and, and let the two of them fight it out. But, I mean, the, the obvious answer is to go short-term with, with with a quality keeper that'll keep them afloat for the rest of the season because you've really got to look at the rest of the season now. And it's a risk. I mean, it's a bit of a blow, Andrew, because we're not certain we're going to get everybody we want. I mean, it's a bit of a blow to switch your target in January because January is not a month where you bring in half a dozen. And, you know, do we desperately need a centre-forward? Are we still interested in the right-sided centre-half? Um, do we need 
even though they're goalkeeper, you know, the list getting, and if we need a keeper, are we going to sacrifice a centre forward for a keeper? I would hope not. I would hope not. But there's big, big decisions to be taken. But I've got a feeling that, that Newcastle, as the weeks go on, might feel uncomfortable to go with just Dubravka because I don't think the other two guys, and I'm paying utmost respect to them, and they, they, they both got an extra year on that contract, but they got an extra year to sit as number three and number four choice, not to suddenly play quite regularly. So we are thin there now, and something should be done and probably will be done. But I'm, I'm emphasising that Dubravka is the man in possession, and, and I'm happy with that. But if you look beyond that, you know, you're a bit thin. Yeah, I show you concerns what, there. What we don't want, Andrew, what we don't want is a situation which is developed with West centre-forward, where we haven't had, you know, we say, we're saying we don't need cover because we've got Isaac and Wilson, who are two international centre-forwards, so we're fine. The only trouble is Wilson's never fit and, and, and Isaac has some problems, so all of a sudden, we have, we, we with hindsight, we needed a third striker. And with hindsight, we don't want to say we need a keeper when Carrius is playing and Gillespie's on the bench. Yeah, hopefully they've learned the lesson from that. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in January. You guys watch and listen and let us know on social media. Let us know in the comments what you would do with regard to that goalkeeping situation. Would you sign someone short-term or would you move the plans forward and maybe go and sign a direct number one to rival Nick Pope? Shall we talk about some football then, John? Um, Everton, the opposition on Thursday... We know they've got their off-the-field issues, being deducted uh, 10 points, isn't it, for uh, breaking the FFP rules, um, which ironically shows you why Newcastle United have been so careful with it because they don't want to have that coming down the track later on as Man City are starting to uh, maybe worry a little bit. I want to talk, though, about the impact that's had on Everton's form. You know, they were battered by Manchester United, but they went and they beat Nottingham Forest. Uh, There seems to have been... It seems to have worked. I think Sean Dyche said after the Nottingham Forest game, it's galvanised them. It, it, it's pulled them all together. It's united them. So are you expecting? Are you expecting a different a different challenge on Thursday than maybe Newcastle would have faced five six weeks ago? Do you think? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, it's you know creating a siege mentality is a wonderful thing. I mean, uh, Alex Ferguson did it for donkey's years of Manchester United and they kept winning the titles as, as a consequence. You know, everybody's against us. Eddie Howe has spoken recently of liking that within the Newcastle United dressing room. You know, he said if the players want to take it, that the whole world's against us and everything, I'm quite happy if it's going to help them, uh, you know, in their mental attitude and their physical output. That is a tremendous thing. And that is something that Dice will be playing on. Look, you know, the whole world's against us. The Premier League's against us. Everybody's laughing. Nobody cares if we go down, but we'll show them we are better than this. We'll take on the world. And he'll be trying to get that link between the fans on the terraces and and the players that we are all in this together. Let's go out and get the points. Now, they've got to turn... I know that the hatred initially of the Everton fans was against the Premier League for what they've done with it. But you can't go out on Thursday night and take it out on the Premier League because the Premier League don't give you three points and take ten points off you. So they, they won't give you the three points. They've got to you they've got to unite on the terraces and on the field against Newcastle. Because if they don't, then they don't get the three points. 
you know, it's no good having to go at the Premier League and just clapping Newcastle. They've got to take it out on Newcastle or attempt to. And and therefore, they will have this. I mean, the home record, you mentioned it at the beginning, is absolutely frightening. Won one, drawn one, lost five. Lost five out of seven at home. And yet they've got four wins on the on, on the, the road. I mean, it is quite... And our, our away record's hopeless compared with last season. One win, two draws, three lose, uh, defeats. When last season, we only had three defeats a whole season to get us fourth. And we've got seven wins out of eight at home. So both are playing the wrong way around. We're, we're both playing to, to right a wrong. We've got to right our away record. And we've got a fabulous opportunity because we've got two away games in, what, three days against Everton for the Spurs to put it right. And Everton have got to get Pretty quick. If they're going to stay up, that home record's got to change and change dramatically. Uh, and I think they probably will stay up when you look at it, what else there is in the league. Um, but they will try to get the camaraderie that Newcastle have got. Um, and it's very difficult. They've got inferior players. That is obvious by a country mile. We are right up at the top and they're right down at the bottom. I mean, even with the points deductions, there's a huge gap in ability. But, you know, rolling the sleeves up and getting stuck in and being well organised can paper over a lot of cracks. And that's what they'll attempt to do on Thursday night. They certainly will. And I can't quite work out how this one's going to go because usually in this position, as our listeners know, I always like to say it's going to be a great game for the neutral. But I'm not too sure about this one because, as you mentioned, the away form is terrible for Newcastle. The home form is terrible for Everton. They're just going to cancel each other out and it's just going to be a, a drab nil-nil, right? Well, it could well be. I mean, I don't think it'll be wonderful for the neutral, that's for certain, because Everton won't be going out to make it wonderful. They'll be going out to make it ugly, to make it scrappy, to to, to sort Newcastle out, to pull Newcastle down to their level and then sneak a 1-0. That's the, the way they'll play it. And I think it'll be a fearful game as much as it is a game of lavish open football. And Newcastle know only one way to play, but they, they want to put the record straight from their way record straight. This is possibly the, the opportunity to get three points out of the two away games of God Spurs recovered somewhat with a draw at Man City. They could be a little bit tougher at Spurs. But we've got to get some points out of these two away games. There's no question at all about that. And But I don't think it's going to be a fun feast, either of goals or of entertaining football, because I think Everton will make it ugly deliberately because that's their best chance of getting some. If they want to go toe-to-toe with Newcastle and punch for punch and flamboyance against flamboyance, they'll get slaughtered, man. So they'll not attempt to do that. Mm, so we're going to expect Newcastle to have a, a lot of the ball. But to be fair, they look quite comfortable doing that. We've seen it in recent games so against Chelsea and against Manchester United to a certain degree, especially in the first half. They had to take the game to the opposition because the opposition were comfortable sitting back and inviting Newcastle United on. The issue is if you're the opposition, Newcastle will punish you. They will go for you. And they're creating more chances now. They're looking... More comfortable playing the long game, passing it, you know, left, right, left, right, and then that killer pass, you know, and the, on, against Manchester United and Chelsea, really, I mean, the killer passes came down the flanks, and that's going to be the another really interesting battle on Thursday to see how Everton's fullbacks can handle. We expect it to be Kieran Trippier, Almiron on one side, and Livermento and Gordon on the other side. I mean, Trip, have you seen? 
I don't want to tempt fate, but have you, have you seen more quality from our full-back positions than Trippier and Levomenko? You've got to go back an awful long time to have seen better quality, both going forward and defensively, than, than they've produced. I mean, it is quite stunning. It's quite stunning because Trippier's 33 or whatever he is, on the wrong side of the hill in terms of age and is playing like a young buck and, and, and has so much fitness and so much endeavour about him. And Levermengo is just a old Roy. He's 21, a kid. The exact opposite of Trippier. And he's playing on his wrong side. He, he prefers the right side, but he's as comfortable as it's possible to be at left-back. And they, they are just too quality, quality players. And we're saying quite rightly that Newcastle's um, threat is down the two wide positions on the tram lines with the, the link-up between the full-backs and the wide player. What we do know is that Gordon will get actual dog's abuse at uh, on Thursday night because he was seen to be a, a traitor, etc., etc. They forced his, his transfer out of Everton when he came to Newcastle. The fans chased him down the street when he went for his car after a game, etc., etc. He's going to get dog's abuse. But again, you know, he's as spiky as a porcupine, is Gordon. I mean, he, he, fan, fans of the opposite side dislike him hugely. Our fans dislike Gordon hugely when he played for Everton. They love him now because he is spiky and he does rattle opposition fans and irritate them. And by Jove, he'll be given some stick at, uh, at Everton. But I, I think he'll, he'll take, he'll get some hammer physically. He'll roll, he'll give it a couple of forward rolls on the deck. He'll get up and he'll just run at them again. I don't think they'll be able, the crowd will be able to intimidate him and, and take him out the game that way for one moment. But he's going to get dog's abuse and he knows it completely. Yeah, he's going to get a very harsh welcome at Goodison Park. Great to see him get that goal against Manchester United. And he's adding goals to his game, which Eddie Howard admits that was probably the one thing he was lacking. But he's not 100% confirmed for Thursday. And we will find out hopefully a bit more on Wednesday in Eddie Howe's press conference. But Gordon left the pitch with a bit of tightness in his hip. That's what Howe said to the press after the game against Manchester United. He said, fingers crossed, it's nothing too serious. I think in normal circumstances, John, you wouldn't be that worried. But given the run of games coming up, the importance of these games as well. I mean, you know, the game against uh, Spurs and then Milan. I mean, the Milan games are massive. I think you, you're concerned a little bit more. You're concerned a little bit more because he is your informed player. Um, I mean, look, and... Sorry, the other point is who would replace him if he was indeed injured? That's that's the main I mean, issue. The the way things are, Andrew, the most important game is the next one. Because you can't plan. You, you can shuffle packs if you've got all the 14 players that have been out for Newcastle, if they were all available. You can look ahead and say, right, we'll keep him from Milan because we've got Murphy, because we've got Bonds, because we've got Tonali, because we've got Long staff, you can you can shuffle. There's no pack to shuffle. There's no pack to shuffle here outside of suddenly playing Hall or or taking a a chance on Dummett and Craft somewhere around the back or suddenly plucking somebody out the air that's unfit but suddenly is miraculously enough to give you twenty minutes. You can't make any changes. So, you know, you've the most important game now for Eddie is Everton. Uh, as important as 
Milan is and by Jove our whole future and the Champions League depends on that that's three games away we cannot look at that now right now we've got to just look at everything three games away but only eight days away it's mental isn't it just how tight the games are coming in but Absolutely. we're sitting here, John, saying he's not 100% confirmed. We'll find out more in the press conference. But uh, I, I imagine Anthony Gordon will be doing absolutely everything he can to be in that team on Thursday. Oh, yeah. yeah. As I said, he'll take dog's abuse, but he knows that and he'll be quite happy to do that because he is a spiky character and that won't phase him whatsoever. And by the way, as you know and I know, we won't find out anything on Thursday. Because on sorry, at the press conference, we'll find out an hour before the kickoff when the team sheet comes out. Because Eddie is is as cute as a box of monkeys, and he won't give anything away, especially to Everton, uh, knowing who's going to play. So we'll get the usual. Oh, it might be touch and go. We'll have a look at him again in training tomorrow, and we'll make a late decision. And that will be on everybody. Like, um, he, he'll concentrate his press conference. I'd think on on bigging up. Dubovka, uh, I think that will be what Eddie will use his press conference for, is saying how much faith they've got in Dubovka, what a good goalkeeper he is, what a good attitude he's had sitting on the bench, and how he has got all the experience in the world and do a job for us. I think that'll be the message that he'll, he'll hammer home repeatedly, and he'll mention in passing the injury situation, but in passing. Mm, yeah, indeed. I mean, as we look around to the rest of the team, John, you would imagine it's going to be the same team that has played against PSG and the same team that started against Manchester United. Again, hasn't really got the option to switch it up. It's a team and that's Chelsea. performing really as well. And yeah, and Chelsea. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, mean, I keep mentioning this every week, but just the fitness just continues to blow my mind. Um, there's no way that these ga- these players should be starting these the, the, these games you know, one after the other and, and, and performing at the level they are. But you know that whatever team he puts out on Thursday, and as we say, we expect it to be the same team, they'll start the game like a house on fire. They'll come out of those, uh, out the cages, out the, the traps like that, and hopefully, you know, get an early goal. And just that early goal will be will be key. But just talk to us about the fitness, John, the fitness of the, of the side. Well, it's quite phenomenal. You can't believe it, can you? They defy, they defy all logic, game after game after game, and you know we're restricted. Not just we say, oh, it'll be the same team. It'll be the same team because there isn't an option. But also, there's not an option during uh, during the game off the bench. I mean, he makes a little change at the end. Richie comes on for five minutes or whatever. But he hasn't got the facility to bring Isaac off and um, or, or someone else during the game because he's got no one to actually put on. So the fitness is phenomenal. We're grasping at any little bit of straw that, that flies past in the breeze. And, we, you know, from that point of view... The harder game might be Spurs, and I'm not talking about the opposition. I'm talking about the time factor, because at least we've had a we've had a rest of sorts from Manchester United through to a Thursday, not playing on a Wednesday, but all of a sudden Thursday down there, you come home. It's Friday morning. You're playing Sunday. You know the, the tougher, tighter turnaround is going to be between Everton and um, and and Spurs. Uh, so. We keep saying, can they go back to the well? And they keep answering it. And the answer is yes. 
um, and you know, long may it continue, though each time it does, you think you're getting closer to the time when enough, and we did it, didn't we? I mean, you know, we tend to forget, but Newcastle at Bournemouth, we knew within three minutes of the kickoff that that was a, a foregone conclusion, that that was a lost cause because we were really shattered. Now, we don't lose to Bournemouth uh, under normal circumstances. And, and and Everton is a bit of a game like Bournemouth, isn't it, to a certain extent? You know, they're down the bottom, etc. Et now, we don't lose to Bournemouth under normal circumstances, but they weren't normal circumstances. So we've got to guard again to make certain that Everton isn't a, a Bournemouth banana skin. Um, but, I mean, we all knew at Bournemouth within five minutes of the kickoff how flat Newcastle were from number two to number 11. Right across the park, they were flat and they were exhausted and we understood why. Since, because they've got a fortnight's break after that because of the international break, and they've, they've kept charging again. But you keep thinking, oh, please don't give us another Bournemouth because we could understand it, but we need it like a whole head. And so that is the fear in the back of our minds. But we know within 10 minutes of kickoff, we knew within 10 minutes of kickoff at Manchester United that this was the real Newcastle. Mm. And when you were in 10 minutes of Bournemouth, this wasn't the real Newcastle. Yeah, and I just wonder that if, if the away factor comes into that again. We, like we said at the start of the show, that the away form is, is die up Newcastle. And anyhow, we spoke about it after the United game and said it has to improve. He knows it has to improve. Newcastle are going to get back into the top four and hopefully it starts with a win against Everton. I mentioned there just before, John, about getting that early goal and just to get the nerves going of the Everton fans. I mean, that that's going to be absolutely crucial, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because that'll be like taking a pin to a balloon uh, if we get that early goal, because that's what Manchester United did, if you remember. They uh, get an early goal and it's, a, you know, the fabulous overhead kick. Um, that pricked the balloon. Um, and if we did that again early on, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be fabulous. It just has to be Italian. If we score in the first 10 minutes then it will be like taking a, a, a pin to a balloon for them and it will give us a bit of breathing space. That would be the perfect answer. Uh, equally, we don't want to concede one that way because that would have put the tails up of both them and the, and the crowd, wouldn't it? Um, I think it's going to be a more taut match, a, 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 a bit of a negative match because, as I say, Everton's best chance is to make it that. You know, you get no points for being pretty uh, so Everton aren't going to try to be... Also, if you're pretty against Newcastle, you'll lose if, if, because Everton haven't got enough players. So it, it's going to be a bit of a trial and tribulation evening. But, you know, by all that's saying, Newcastle should win. They should win, and I will get your score prediction in, in a moment. Um, one man who is uh, touching goal for Everton is Dominic Calvert-Lewin, constantly linked to Newcastle United as a potential replacement for Wilson or Isaac. And look, there's no arguing that if he's fit, he's one of the best strikers in the Premier League. But he's got an even worse record than both of them strikers. So I just want to put that one straight to bed. Let's not sign Carver-Lewin because we'll be going around the houses about the injury excuses um, even more so than we do with Wilson and Isaac. Yeah, we need, we need a third striker because Wilson is habitually injured. 
and we get another one who's a bit really injured and who's an England international and who on his day is great, but he doesn't have enough data. You just, it's the same identical picture as Wilson. You don't want another one of those. I mean, he is the last guy on a free transfer, for goodness sake, if he was on a free and he isn't, of course. But you just don't, I mean, they need another striker because they've got a Callum Wilson. So, you know, that is just a joke. That is not the answer to the current problem at all. So when you see price tags of 35, 40 million being banded about, what are you thinking? Well, it's a joke. I'm thinking, you know, who's who's decided on this? Is this April Fool's Day? Um, it is an absolute nonsense. I mean, I wouldn't take him on a free transfer, not because of ability, but because of his fitness record. We need somebody that stays fit. And Isaac hasn't got the great, greatest fitness record, but he's better than, than Wilson. But we need somebody that's fit. Mm. Well, we're going to go off on a tangent, but I just want to ask you, I'll just continue on that line of subject. Ivan yeah. Tony, would you pay £40 million for Ivan Tony? Ooh. I mean, a lot of his goals, when you look at it, he has a decent goals record. A lot of them are penalties, which he never misses. And and I think he missed one against us, didn't he? Uh, but he doesn't normally miss them. Um I mean, it wouldn't bother me that we, we give them away. You know, bringing somebody back we give away it doesn't bother me one iota. We brought Peter Beardsley back and what a player he was. It, that doesn't make any difference. Um, but Peter wasn't thrown out, of course, like Ivan Tony was. I don't know because I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I mean, it's going to be intriguing what the centre forward is we've got, Andrew. Are you going to go and pay between 40 or 60 million for which is the going rate for a centre forward minimum if you want a guaranteed goal man? Or are you going to say we're going to buy somebody that's, that's young and bright and full of potential that would get slightly cheaper, like the boy we were going to get from France that went to Paris Saint-Germain and, instead and go down that route where he would fit in more financially to what we're, we're looking at you go down the other route and you the, the guy's going to say before he signs you buy Aiden Tony before he signs you say by the way I am your number one aren't I I mean I start before Wilson Nizak even if they're both fit because otherwise I'm not coming man I'm not coming to sit three so you know there is a there is a lot of ifs and buts as our listeners know, I would definitely go out and sign a £40 million striker if one was available. Uh, maybe not Ivan Tony because of the ban he's had. And he's, how how quick is he going to get up to, to scratch? Not a, not a January signing anyway. I think that's more of maybe a start no, signing once no. he's back and he's proven he can still... And, and that's, I honestly think, Andrew, that he will... He wants to leave because he thinks he's better than Brentford, but he also thinks that he owes some loyalty to Brentford for the way they've been during this ban. So I think he will... In an ideal world, he wants to play out the season, get his fitness back, start scoring goals again and get a big transfer in the summer. Hmm. Anyway, that's a topic for another podcast many months down the line. Um, we talked about how Newcastle should win this one, John. If they've got aspirations to get back into the top four, which clearly they have, and they're going uh, not too badly at the moment in the league. I've got the uh, actual form table here, so let me just read you off some stats. And then let's remember the injuries that Newcastle United have had. So the last 10 games, Newcastle United have picked up 23 points. That puts them top of the form table. Scored 25, conceded 11. Now Everton are 8th in that, 16 points from the last 30, but they have lost 3 in that run. 
The last six games, Newcastle are third in the form table, 13 points. Everton are ninth uh, with 10. Everton, as we said, just picked up four points on the road. The league table that matters, Everton are what? 18th on seven points, I think it is, after the point deduction, Newcastle um, are sixth um, and, and trying to chase down those above them. If Newcastle United are going to do that and are going to finish in the top four, top five, John, injuries aside, yes, it yes it impacts you. Yes, you're away from home, but you've got to be beating this evidence side, haven't you? Yes, you have. I mean, if Newcastle are going to make the impact at the top, and if they're going to make the impact they deserve because they've been defying a horrendous injury list, if they're going to do that, you beat Everton and then at least get a draw at Spurs. Mm. You don't lose either game because we are six and because our away record shows one win in, in six matches and that's got to improve so you beat Everton and you get at least a draw at Spurs and you don't you don't actually lose either of them if we are going to make up the ground that we deserve to make up there's no question about that we deserve to make it up but you don't lose to Everton but that was my fear against Bournemouth you don't lose to Bournemouth but we did and there's only one reason why we did if we played them again now we would slaughter them um, we, it was one game too far before we got the break we needed, which was the international break for a fortnight. And, you know, if we're not careful or we don't get some people back shortly, we're going to hit a Bournemouth sometime down the line in the, in the next before Christmas. Um, so we need to get people back quickly. We do indeed, because there's no break for Newcastle United, is there? So it's going to be an interesting uh, run up to Christmas and in the new year. Before I get your score prediction, John, I can't let you go without talking about the time we had Derby returning. Come on. How excited are you? Well, well pleased. Well, well pleased, because we owe them. We owe them big time. Uh, Because before the, the Derbys were knocked on the head, when Sunderland went on the slippery slope down through the championship in the League One and trying to fight their way back up. We had lost six out of seven and we haven't won in the last nine derbies. We haven't won in the last nine derbies. But what we've got to remember is all those were under Mike Ashley. And this is a different old ball game now to what it was then. And we owe them one big time. It's a fascinating, fascinating cup tie. All things are equal. There's only one winner in it. Um, and I know they'll be looking for a honeymoon period and their new manager having uh, got rid of Tony Mowbray this week. Um, but I don't know that that's going to help their cause because I think he did terrific for them under very limited circumstances because he's good with kids. Um, and that's all he's got. But he fell out big time with the the management's, uh, the owner's idea of recruitment, which is buy kids, uh, improve them and sell them on to profit, which is not the way a manager wants to do life because he wants a bit of experience in there to go for promotion. Um, that is, and uh, quite a few people in football have mentioned to me for a while now, that that is the problem with Sunderland. That, 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 that what the way the board see the club going is not the way a manager would see the club going, and that's been the the situation with Tony Mowbray. Um, 
But yes, it's going to be a fabulous race. What we've got to do is we've got to make... Eddie's cute. Eddie knows the score. But we've got to make certain... Let Graham Jones or somebody tell him who's a Geordie. Or let Paul Dummett tell him or, or whoever we want. But be careful of the team you put out, my son, down there. Because... Getting beat by the Mackhams in the Cup will not go down well with Newcastle fans for all the kudos and the standing that you have within the club. That would take be taken very badly. We've gone out under Eddie, and there was reasons for it. We've gone out at the first hurdle at home to Cambridge United because, quite frankly, then all that mattered was the relegation fight we were in. And then last season, we went out at Sheffield Wednesday at the first time of asking. Uh, and that was accepted because we were on our way to Wembley in the League Cup final. But right now, you know, uh, we have got to not go out at the first hurdle, not to this opposition. And Eddie, I, I know you put out the virtual reserve side of Manchester United in the League Cup and we won 3-0. So you can, apart from the keeper, you change the 10 outfield players and you'll think we can do that again and we'll be all right. You know what? In this world, if you do it again, you've got to be all right. Because if you lose that game, there will be mumblings uh, on the terraces. I'm not suggesting for one second anybody would want Eddie to go or anything ludicrous like that. But please, Eddie, help yourself as well as help us. Put a decent team out and let us go and do the job down there. Well, I don't think there's any fear of that. I think he'll be putting his strongest team out possible. You see all the big guns because he's not going to want to lose it at a time we adore. But it's interesting, John. Last point on this. You mentioned there the League Cup final, and I think it's fair to say in the build-up to that, it became a distraction. I think certain players' minds wandered towards the big day at Wembley. And look, don't jump on me back, you guys listening and watching. I'm not saying this is a cup final for Newcastle. It's not. It's just another Saturday or Sunday, you know. Um, It is the time we're Derby. They're not going to want to lose. My point being is, though, we can't allow, Eddie Howe can't allow it, the captain... Jamal LaSalle's Q and Trippy. I can't allow the time we had Derby in a month's time to become a distraction because there's so many games in between then. And if you allow your mind to wonder about, will I play? How is it going to be? The atmosphere, it's going to be fierce. We've got to win this game. If you are starting to think about this now, to me, that's a little bit dangerous. Oh, it's very dangerous, but I don't think for one second they will because it's only the third round of the cup and you're playing a championship side. And if you're, if you're Bruno and if you're Gordon and if you're Almond, you know vaguely what the derby means. You've never played in them because you weren't probably here the last time you played in the derby or most most of the players weren't. But it, it's not... I mean, Wembley's a distraction for goodness sake. But a third round cup tie, it doesn't matter who you play, is not a distraction. You're not thinking ahead to that. I mean, you're more likely to be thinking ahead to AC Milan next Wednesday than you are to play in a championship side away in the third round of the FA Cup, albeit our hated neighbours. I don't think for one second that will prey on anybody's mind. Uh, the big thing will be to make certain that when they go there, they adopt the Newcastle United attitude. And not just think, oh, we're playing the championship side, we'll go out there and an hour and a half later we'll come back into the dressing room and we're through because we're playing the championship side. It won't be like that because it happens to be Sunderland, but I don't think it'll prey on anybody's mind or get in the way. I mean, a Wembley final was a different ball game. Newcastle don't make Wembley finals, cup finals, and certainly if they do make them, they don't win them anymore. So that did play hugely on everybody's mind. I don't think Sunderland would. 
Well, I was going to say, some might say, um, Newcastle United uh, don't win time-weird derbies. I mean, largely due to the fact that Sunderland, like you say, slipped down the leagues and they couldn't be played. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a month's time or so. John, how is Thursday night going to go? Will Newcastle pick up all three points against Everton? Yes, I think they will. Uh, I've got to say that because it's my belief. I mean, on ability, man for man, and I'm talking about the team will have it out, not the ones that aren't available. The team will have out from man for man. We are a different class to them. So by all things that are saying, uh, and nothing is saying now because people get injured and even your keeper goes off with a with a, a dislocated shoulder. It's ludicrous. But all things being said, Newcastle United have got much more than Everton's got. We've got a right or wrong, and our away record in the Premier League is poor. That has got to be righted, and this is a greater opportunity than Spurs, in my humble opinion. Uh, although there's an opportunity for both, we shouldn't be scared of Spurs. But I'm taking us to win. I think it mightn't be pretty, the match, but I don't care. I'm not bothered about being pretty. I'm bothered about the three points. And uh, yes, I think we'll win a match which will be more ugly than pretty. But the three points will be pretty. And that's what we need. And I think we'll just manage to get Do you know what? I've been really confident over the last few weeks. And I've, I've been right in my predictions. Chelsea, Manchester United. But... I think it's going to be a draw on Thursday. I just think the tiredness might catch up with them. Um, and it's going to be a difficult game. I think it's going to be a draw. Well, but you don't uh, you don't lose. You don't lose. And that's... You know, no, that's that's, that's, the, that's the biggest thing. The, the thing we cannot do under any circumstances is lose at Everton and lose at Spurs. Um, you know, because it's a way. And, and then we have got trouble. It could easily be a draw. I'm expecting and wanting more than a draw. Um, and I think if Lady Luck decides to smile on us or at least not play a hand against us, which is what's been happening recently, we'll be okay. Uh, and as I say, as for the tiredness, we've had a little bit of extra uh, leeway this week with the game being Thursday and not Wednesday. And I think the problem with tiredness or whatever, if it's going to come, might well come at Tottenham. But um, we'll deal with that when it comes along, game at a time, as Eddie would say. And um, I'm taking us to squeeze the three points. Well, hopefully your prediction is right. John, thank you as always for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast. This has been the match preview. Please like, uh, please follow, share the podcast among you and your Castle United supporting friends and family. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for the latest in the Castle United news.